0: Story 21 of Lucy Maud Montgomery short stories 1907 to 1908 This is a LibriVox recording all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by Janet Karim Lucy Maud Montgomery short stories 1907 to 1908 by Lucy Maud Montgomery STORY Twenty One: THE PARTING OF THE WAYS Mrs. Longworth crossed the Hotel Piazza, descended the steps, and walked out of sight, down the shore road with all the grace of motion that lent distinction to her slightest movement. Her eyes were very bright, and an unusual flush stained the pallor of her cheek. Two men who were lounging in one corner of the Hotel Piazza looked admiringly at her. "'She is a beautiful woman,' said one. "'Wasn't there some talk about Mrs. Longworth and Cunningham last winter?' asked the other. "'Yes, they were much together. "'Still, there may have been nothing wrong. "'She was old Judge Carmody's daughter, you know. "'Longworth got Carmody under his thumb in money matters and put the screws on. "'They say he made Carmody's daughter the price of the old man's redemption. "'The girl herself was a mere child.' I shall never forget her face on her wedding day but she's been plucky since then i must say if she has suffered she hasn't shown it i don't suppose longworth ever ill treats her he isn't that sort he's simply a groveling cad that's all nobody would sympathize much with the poor devil if his wife did run off with cunningham meanwhile beatrice longworth walked quickly down the shore road her white skirt brushing over the crisp golden grasses by the way in a sunny hollow among the sand hills she came upon stephen gordon sprawled out luxuriously in the warm sea-smelling grasses the youth sprang to his feet at the sight of her and his big brown eyes kindled to a glow mrs longworth smiled at him they had been great friends all summer he was a lanky overgrown lad of fifteen or sixteen Odd and shy and dreamy, scarcely possessing a speaking acquaintance with others at the hotel. But he and Mrs. Longworth had been congenial from their first meeting. In many ways he was far older than his years, but there was a certain ineradicable boyishness about him to which her heart warmed. You are the very person I was just going in search of. I've news to tell. Sit down." he spoke eagerly patting the big gray boulder beside him with his slim brown hand for a moment beatrice hesitated she wanted to be alone just then but his clever homely face was so appealing that she yielded and sat down stephen flung himself down again contentedly in the grasses at her feet pillowing his chin in his palms and looking up at her adoringly you are so beautiful dear lady i love to look at you will you tilt that hat a little more over the left eyebrow yes so some day i shall paint you his tone and manner were all simplicity when you are a great artist said beatrice indulgently he nodded yes i mean to be that i've told you all my dreams you know now for my news i'm going away tomorrow i had a telegram from father today he drew the message from his pocket and flourished it up at her i'm to join him in europe at once he is in rome think of it in rome i'm to go on with my art studies there and i leave tomorrow i'm glad and i'm sorry and you know which is which said beatrice patting the shaggy brown head i shall miss you dreadfully stephen we have been splendid chums haven't we he said eagerly suddenly his face changed he crept nearer to her and bowed his head until his lips almost touched the hem of her dress i'm glad you came down today he went on in a low diffident voice i want to tell you something and i can tell it better here i couldn't go away without thanking you i'll make a mess of it i can never explain things but you've been so much to me you mean so much to me you've made me believe in things i never believed in before you you i know now that there is such a thing as a good woman a woman who could make a man better just because he breathed the same air as her he paused for a moment then went on in a still lower tone It's hard when a fellow can't speak of his mother because he can't say anything good of her, isn't it? My mother wasn't a good woman. When I was eight years old, she went away with a scoundrel. It broke my father's heart. Nobody thought I understood I was such a little fellow, but I did. I heard them talking. I knew she had brought shame and disgrace on herself and us and i had loved her so then somehow as i grew up it was my misfortune that all the women i had to do with were mean and base they were hirelings and i hated and feared them there was an aunt of mine she tried to be good to me in her way but she told me a lie and i never cared for her after i found out and then father we loved each other and were good chums but he didn't believe in much either he was bitter you know he said all women were alike I grew up with that notion I didn't care much for anything nothing seemed worthwhile then I came here and I met you he paused again Beatrice had listened with a gray look on her face it would have startled him had he glanced up but he did not and after a moment's silence the halting boyish voice went on You have changed everything for me. I was nothing but a clod before. You are not the mother of my body, but you are of my soul. It was born of you. I shall always love and reverence you for it. You will always be my ideal. If I ever do anything worthwhile, it will be because of you. In everything I shall ever attempt, I shall try to do it as if you were to pass judgment upon it. You will be a lifelong inspiration to me. Oh, I am bungling this. I can't tell you what I feel. You are so pure, so good, so noble. I shall reverence all women for your sake henceforth. And if, said Beatrice in a very low voice, if I were false to your ideal of me, if I were to do anything that would destroy your faith in me, something weak or wicked, "'But you couldn't,' he interrupted, "'flinging up his head and looking at her with his great dog-like eyes. "'You couldn't.' "'But if I could,' she persisted gently. "'And if I did, what then?' "'I should hate you,' he said passionately. "'You would be worse than a murderess. "'You would kill every good impulse and belief in me. "'I would never trust anything or anybody again. "'But there,' he added, his voice once more growing tender. You will never fail me. I feel sure of that. Thank you, said Beatrice, almost in a whisper. Thank you, she repeated after a moment. She stood up and held out her hand. I think I must go now. Good-bye, dear laddie. Write to me from Rome. I shall always be glad to hear from you, wherever you are. And and I shall always try to live up to your ideal of me, Stephen. He sprang to his feet and took her hand, lifting it to his lips with boyish reverence. I know that, he said slowly. "Goodbye, bye my sweet lady. When Mrs. Longworth found herself in her room again, she unlocked her desk and took out a letter. It was addressed to Mr. Maurice Cunningham. She slowly tore it twice across, laid the fragments on a tray, and touched them with a lighted match. As they blazed up, one line came out in writhing redness across the page: I will go away with you as you ask. Then it crumbled into gray ashes. She drew a long breath and hid her face in her hands. End of the parting of the ways. Recording by Janet Karam.